It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bar Steelers Premier League podcast. We've got festive fixtures all over the place at the minute, lads, and it was a pretty decent start to the weekend. That's where we're going to start with the first game as Leicester just about pegged United back to... <laughs> I was just saying it to see if you'd laugh. <laughs> That's like, fuck sake. It takes absolutely nothing. <laughs> well, if you're getting pegged or getting pegged. Keep it in. <laughs> Good start of the podcast. We are okay. very professional. Okay, if you don't know what that means, don't Google it. Uh, right, Leicester against United. It was 2-2, and as a United fan, as obviously I was, I was a bit gutted at first, because naturally if you score with 10 minutes to go, you, you know you've, you think you've won the game. But obviously to concede that equaliser was a bit of a, a soccer punch. But if you look at this, just uh, the result on its own, a draw against Leicester is not bad. And the manner of performance, uh, I was happy with the performance. I think we were the better team. Probably slightly unlucky not to win, but especially considering Spurs drew, Liverpool drew, you know, other teams dropped points around us. Chelsea lost. You know, I'll, I'll take that. I, I was happy enough with the performance. And the best thing is, is that we're playing again tomorrow, the Christmas festive schedule. You're going to get another chance to, you know, get three points in the next game, hopefully against Wolves. So overall, I was... Pretty happy with United's performance. What was your takes in the game? I don't. I don't know if United were the better team. But I thought both teams actually played very well. Like, like I think both managers would be happy enough with the performance of both teams. United maybe edged just a wee bit. There was a few times where United got in behind. I know there was the one where Michael made that good save. Um, although I feel like that save was hyped up a little bit. He didn't really move his hand that much. It was just kind of hiddish. Um, yeah, it's a strong hand, wasn't it? Yeah, there's a few. Few times United caught out Lesser like that, and to be fair, for the most part, Lesser didn't really create that many chances. Thought Bruno Fernandez should have been sent off for a second yellow card. Oh, <sighs> if he does that, slander. It, I'm not. No, I'm not trying to. But if he does that and he's not on a yellow, he gets a yellow because he goes in yeah. and stands on his foot. Like it's one of those um, sort of unwritten rules, though. You know, uh, but like he he had he he had had one about five minutes before that as well where he. Yeah, but he keeps, he keeps yeah, nibbling. He keeps nibbling. He keeps nibbling. 
I thought he should have been sent off, but yeah, whatever. Um, thought Verona was actually probably the best. Uh, other than that, Verona was probably the man of the match. It was a very entertaining match, though. Yeah, very entertaining match. And a great sort of litmus test for where the quality of that end of the table is at the minute. It's going to be a real battle for top four. Leicester are giving a good shout. Like, but I wasn't happy with the praise Jimmy Vardy was getting for his movement. What was that about? Like, state of him. He just pulled <laughs> off his man and just sat yeah. at home easy enough. Didn't like then is his goal. No. Like, yeah, it was so, probably uh, going wide, yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, Axel Tuin Zebe came on and he just didn't really look right. And I think he's a very good player, but he started against Everton. But other than that, he, he's had very little football. And actually, I think that was one thing I noted very early on was that if United weren't going to win this game, it was probably going to be because of the right-hand side. I can understand why Dan James started, but anytime I see him in the team sheet, I'm, it's, yeah. I'm not feeling great about it. And then... Obviously, without Wan-Bissaka, without Brandon Williams, we had to start Victor Lindelof at right back, who did okay, to be fair. But a right-hand side of Lindelof and Dan James, like that's that is not good. You know, if you're even talking about top four, never mind a potential title charge, which I still don't know how I feel about. But yeah, that was one glaring weakness, and then obviously that was made worse when Tuan Zebe had to come on. Yeah, it's very bad jettison defenders into a game when you need the three points. Like, look at Reese Williams at Liverpool there. Like, unlucky to just be thrown into the game. Like, Tuan Zebe needs to start the full game, get into the rhythm of the game. You can't expect someone to just come on. Like, they're talking about United having match winners in the pitch. You know, your Cavani's, Greenwoods and all that. That's where that's coming from. You know, you can't expect a centre-back to come in and look the business. Well, we're kind of unlucky because I thought before Lindelof went off, that back four looked very sad. Like I said, Leicester didn't really cause that many problems. Um, it was just unlucky that Lindelof ended up getting injured. Um, I just, I I don't think it was that bad defensively for United. I think, like like you said, it's just Tunzebi's unlucky that he came in and he wasn't really, he hadn't really settled into the pace of the match. Yeah, so Leicester had a lot of the ball in this at the start of the second half, but they weren't really causing United any problems. They were just sort of tipping the ball left and right, not doing anything. And it was, I wouldn't say it was the most entertaining game to watch, but Stephen's Day games, like it was nice to have the football just game after game. It was just nice to sit down for the whole day and to watch ball. It was great. I thought I thought the Leicester midfield looks a whole lot better with Indy back in there, obviously because he's a very good midfielder. But he's just... Uh, because I remember when I was watching um, Mendy playing in there, I thought oh, he's actually not that bad. He's he's not too bad, but it's uh, the levels between the two of them is night and day. Yeah, Didi and Tielemans like that is I wouldn't say an elite, you know, in the literal sense, but it's a brilliant midfield lot for someone like Leicester. So good, yeah, so good. Tielemans like, I I wouldn't look out of place at any of the big clubs. Like he would no. look totally fine in that Liverpool midfield. Now, individually, it's better than McTominay and Fred. Like, no doubt about it. Player for player, Tielemans better than Fred, and indeed he's better than McTominay. But uh, having said that, I thought McTominay was, wasn't was great in this game, but I thought Fred was fantastic, to be honest. But yeah, reasonably happy with that result. But as I said, the best thing is, is that we're playing tomorrow again against Wolves, so we have a chance to get three points there. And I should mention that this is being recorded on the Monday. We should be done this recording before, I think it's Palace against Leicester at three o'clock on a Monday. This is this is a festive fixture schedule. So um, we're going to be touching on the weekend's games and this is going to be out on, I think, Tuesday. So a couple of games will have happened, just to, to mention that if we're out of date with any points or opinions. But the next game we're going to talk about was a half-five kickoff and Arsenal won a game. 
they won a game against Chelsea, no less, with a much changed team. And I watched this game myself and Chelsea were just absolutely shocking. Like it was so bad. They made a decent start, 10, 15 minutes. But other than that, like it was pretty much all Arsenal. And I think you have to give some credit to Arteta. We haven't given him an awful lot of credit on this podcast. But at the same time, I think this result was ideal because not only did Chelsea lose three points and they lose that momentum, but I really don't think this is going to help Arsenal massively, if I'm being honest. Maybe a short-term confidence boost, which is definitely badly needed. But they, they won that game because they were playing the younger players, like the likes of Emil Smith-Rowe and stuff and Joe Willock, because you know they'll get that out of young players in the short term. But if they do this in the medium to long term, you know, for a few weeks, they're going to continue losing games because Smith Rowe, like, he's not it, like, you know, like it, this was a short term thing. But they have a nice set of fixtures now, Connell, to just give them that little bit of bounce, to, like the sort of false sense of, uh, you know, the project's back on track. And yeah. I don't know, the state of Arsenal fans, they're yo-yoing with opinions at the minute. It's just, it's disgraceful. Seems to say that... Tariq Lamptey's being linked to Arsenal and Bellerin's being linked to move away to Barcelona, um, which is weird because what I said, Sergio Dest, who's playing right back for Barcelona, is probably one of the better players this season. Other Koeman, anyway. I suppose you could probably look at that and say, you know, he is trying to improve the squad. I think Lamptey probably would be a better player than Bellerin. I don't never have really rated Bellerin. The performance itself, like you said, it's you're going to get... The thing is, those players have only ever really played against the likes of likes of Dundalk and Rapid Vienna in the in the group stages Europa League. Um I think Emil Smith wrote I don't think he started a match in the Premier League before this one. So obviously over the short ter- short term you're gonna get them given hundred ten percent busting along to get to every ball. But I think that result came more down to credit to Arsenal, I did play well. I'm not trying to take away from the performance, but I did I think a lot of that came down to Frank. Frank, yeah, Frank's an episode because I just Frank being I, fat. I, who this, I was saying this to someone just bin Tammy Abraham, don't play him. <laughs> I know he's got more goals than Werner this season, but that's because Werner's playing out in the wing. Play Werner through the middle, Pulisic on the left. I don't know if he's fit or not. And then give Hudson Odoya a game on the wing for a few games, and if he's shit, he's shit. Just sign a new winger then. It's not like he hasn't got oh, money. But you have, have Ziyech in the reserve. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice good baller. He impressed me. Yeah, They've spent like, so much money. It's, it's there's ludicrous. no reason. Yeah, but there's no reason for Frank to be playing Varner out in the wing. Like, there's literally none. He played a better system under a better coach and he played on the wing considerably. But now he's just looking like a lost man. I know he's missing big chances. But I don't know. Frank just. Frank's a fraud. That's, that's all I can put it down to. It's all Frank's fault. No blames to be laid at Varner's feet. So we were in a PlayStation party the other day and Connell just says, I'm gonna, it's the, that time of the week again, we're going to see Arsenal lose and it's a great great thing for all of us. It's very funny and it's just amazing. And then uh, I was talking to James and the Arsenal team lineup came out. She started laughing. No Aubameyang, Lacazette was playing. Like they were, It looked like they were de- doomed from the start. Chelsea were just awful. I wouldn't even say Arsenal played that well. Just Chelsea mm. were just dreadful. That was the worst they probably played all season. They played very bad against Liverpool as well earlier on in the season, but they really weren't very good. And then after the game, it was Tammy Abraham was saying to Saka, oh, you didn't mean that, you didn't mean that. And then Maitland-Niles and, then, and Saka just started laughing. They had them rattle. It was absolutely hilarious. 
I don't want to name drop Dundalk again, but uh, Dundalk generally did give Arsenal a much better game, especially at the EVU Stadium. Like, we, we were actually getting at Arsenal, which Chelsea just weren't at all. And, yeah, like, I, I don't want to say Arteta was wrong for putting out that team, but that, that's all he can do. It's what he has to do. As Gary Neville kept saying, the players looked bored, so he needed to change something. But I'm just not convinced it's going to yield any any medium-term benefits, never mind long-term. And But again, you're saying no blame can be levelled at Timo Werner. I have to disagree, James. I don't I, mean it, but I, I you know, yeah, he's missed but, too many chances. I've seen someone shit. say, I know this might be a, a niche enough comparison, uh, but if you know, you know. He said Timo Werner looks like your base pro clubs player with his pace maxed <laughs> out. Like, he's got no real... like he. He looks like he's good, but then he'll just never do anything. And he is quick, but he's very indecisive. And uh, I'm yet to be convinced by him. Well, Tommy can't keep getting away with this murder. You know, with those two goals against West Ham, and he was dreadful. And Chelsea were actually dreadful in that game. Like, they don't have a style of play. They don't have an identity. You know, like, talking about Chelsea, their league position's... Majorly fraudulent, you know. They're going to be. They could easily slip down the table, like just, just disasters. I just need to say, James, you need to let this love affair with Werner go. I've never seen a man like someone's arse as much <laughs> as you do with Werner. My entire life, he's. We all know that he does have the the potential to have that goal in him, but we just haven't seen it yet. He starts playing through the middle, maybe, but once he scores more goals than Tammy Abraham, we'll have to be proven wrong. He has more goals, all comps, mate. All comps. Premier League's where man, this is a Premier League podcast, isn't it? That's what we talk about. <laughs> Seven games, four goals, four assists as at striker. I think. And how much did he cost? Games on the wing. Eight hundred million pounds. Like he's shite. I think it's like forty-three or something. Like that. I think he's a lot more than that. I think it's eight hundred. You're <laughs> dead right, man. There's some mad funky lineups coming out this uh, this fixture period. Like Kalechi starting over Vardy today. Is he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I then, put in Vardy in fantasy. Dennis Pratt no. and the boys are in midfield as well. This could, this could be Zaha territory. Like, you know. <laughs> going to score today, isn't he? No, he's dropped. He's dropped, definitely. He's dropped as well. Oh. Well, no, he probably That's will be Right. But going on to the next game, you'll be able to talk about it in depth. But Liverpool against West Brom, obviously, you're not going to be happy about the result. But how is the performance? Because I just watched the highlights myself. You know, it's not enough hours in the day to be watching all these games. But looking at the highlights and even looking at the match stats, it looked like poor enough performance from Liverpool. West Brom definitely frustrated Liverpool. So we had two shots on target. And one of them was the goal. And that was in the first, what was it, 15 minutes? Very good finish. Like, great ball from Matip onto Mane's chest. And he just pumped it home. But... It's a very uninspiring performance. It's another few points dropped to the bottom end teams. Like we drew with Fulham, drew with the Brom. Like I saw an ad on YouTube earlier on. It was this is just Sam Allardyce. It was a it's a KFC ad about the gravy. It's like <laughs> just gravy, no notions. <laughs> it's all he does. Shit houses. Like I, oh, it's just so Sammy Lee, come. legend. Like all the ball. Like the uh, Carragher just kept saying the first half. It's just too easy, and it was like they were just tipping the ball around, doing nothing. Robertson and Trent were getting the odd ball in the box, but they were causing West Brom no problems. Every ball was just getting lumped out. And then get that goal in the second half. Oxley Chamberlain came on. He was just scrap. No threat at all. He just kept running into players. And then the ref, we got a corner. And then 
in the very last minute and the ref blew it up. We had the corner at the end of the game and he blew it up. Absolute disgrace. That was United. They would have been able to take that corner. I'm telling you. It does happen though. I've seen someone else got that same circumstance in the game, but they just kind of have to deal with it. But yeah, I don't know. Liverpool, yeah, they were complacent in this game. There's no doubt about it. But the game does change on 59 when Matip goes off. I think that we, if we have his presence from that set piece at the end, I think it's completely different. Like every cross that we go direct, that we don't go short, is aimed in towards Matip. Like he's the aerial threat. He's that presence in the back four. And he's genuinely good and he looks... He looks solid, better than Fabinho, no doubt, at centre-half. Uh, and it's very worrying for Liverpool. There's a wider story here. You know, the dip into the transfer market, they rely on Joel, who's very injury-ridden. So that there's way more alarming things for Liverpool than just this game, you know. Yeah, do you think Liverpool have to go into the transfer market in January? Because it's notoriously difficult to, A, just get any players and, B, get a player for decent value. And what sort of player do you go for? Do you go for a £50 million centre-back? Do you go for a young fella? Would he even help? Considering Not a young have... fella anyway. £50 yeah. million jobs. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 Gomez and Matt, neither of them can stay fit for long periods of time. Like, I know they're both decent, but having that change out with Van Dijk the whole time, obviously Van Dijk will be back, but it's still a couple of months till he's back. So, I mean, a makeshift centre-back on Fabinho, and you don't want to be relying on Reese Williams. He's still young, he's very inexperienced, and if he comes up against... like I can just imagine Rashford just tearing him to shreds, play United in a couple of weeks. Like If he's up against him, I think it's going to be, he's going to do bad things to him. So we need to dip in that transfer market, get something yeah, good. We, we need to get the dark arts back. We need to hack into Leicester's transfer market computer like you know, we did with City, and uh, you know, get, and get a young centre-back like Fofana, you know. I don't think Liverpool are going to the league if they don't sign a new centre half. Because who would win the league? Yeah, but I don't know who's going to win the league because yeah, nobody's been good this season. Like even Liverpool, like Sheffield. I know we're top of the league, but we really haven't been that impressive. I mean, from against the bottom five teams we played this season, we played four and we've gotten four points out of a possible twelve. And I think I'm not trying to say Liverpool are shy. I said it yesterday that Liverpool are shy. That was no reaction. I was just off <laughs> the match. Um, but I do think there's a mentality problem there. Because everybody keeps calling Liverpool mentality monsters. I think it's a mentality problem because every single time we play against the lesser sides, even against Michelin in the Champions League, we are, our worst performances in the Champions League were against Michelin. Our worst performances in the league this season have been against the lower sides in the league. I, there must be something that, where the, the Liverpool players just aren't arsed against the smaller teams. And, and it's not me being, trying to be overreaction, but there's... I. Just think there's something mentally where Liverpool players switch off against the smaller teams. I know we beat Palace 7-0, but they're kind of a little bit of a better team than the ones that are in the bottom five. So like there may be a little bit more bother to play against them. But we've not shown, even the one win we got against bottom five this, this season against Sheffield, we were really poor and we're really lucky to get a win out of that match. It's Because it's really annoying because Liverpool are really good, but they just can't, they can't deal with the teams that are struggling. It, it's really annoying. But do you not think yeah. that, you know, A, th- these results are just going to happen? Over the last couple of seasons for Liverpool, they haven't. That's been very, very annoying as a United fan. You know, just they never drop points. Just it's going to happen eventually. And B, the centre-back situation, because I don't think you can underestimate the defensive injury yeah, crisis. These, these results, they happen, but we still have, what about the centre-half situation? We still have really good attack. And only two shots on target against West Brom is is an absolute piss take. That's that's it's just not good enough. Like, 
Consider like West Brom have a really bad squad, really bad. I'm like, and I'm not FIFA regions. That's what they are. Don't recognize one name. I, in that I team still think they're going to get relegated. relegated. <laughs> I don't care what people think about Sam Allardyce never getting relegated. They're still going to get relegated. And I know they set up well, and Sam had them maybe tactically well set up to deal with Liverpool. But two shots on target against a team that had five points from fourteen games is not good enough. And like, it's not. It's not these results just happen. It's we're consistently this season anyway. We're consistently very poor against the bottom teams in the league. It's just annoying. Yeah, well, like, we'll get the three points no bother on. This is your source of frustration. We'll get them against the Leicesters of the world and all these different mid-table, yeah, exactly. upper mid-table teams. No problem. But uh, yeah, against the Fulhams, like Fulham were way more up for it the other week than Liverpool. Yeah. We hammered Leicester, we hammered Wolves, and we hammered Palace, who I think have been, I know that the league position's not brilliant, but I think they've been decent this season. But we can't show up against the likes of Fulham and West Brom. People are like, oh, well, the lower teams league are going to show up against the likes of Liverpool because they want to get a result they want to do it for the fans and that's fair enough but in response to that a team that's supposed to be mentality monitors like Liverpool should be showing up for those games and putting them to the sword I know there's a lot of fixture pile up in that now but it's, it is very very annoying We were talking about the Liverpool centre-back situation but another centre-back in this game that I want to briefly talk about is Darrow Shea because he played ahead of Kyle Bartley and Branislav Ivanovic which I thought was very promising considering you might think Allardyce will just go go for the tried and tested experienced centre-backs how did you rate Darrow Shea's performance? I was actually too pissed off with his performance to even take notice of the West Brom players I think all the West Brom players are just all the same just anything that came in the box just kicked it or headed clear like can I can't say that I could tell one from the other. The only thing that was just weird was Callum Robinson playing wing back, and I only know that because he's Irish playing like he's a striker and he's playing wing back. It was just weird, but can't say that any West Brom players' performance stood out to me. They were just all the same, and they got the goal. And yeah, I'd say O'Shea's side. Sorry, Mixer had things on more of a lock, whereas you know Mane sort of had them on toast for a bit like it was looking touchy for the first half for West Brom but that's maybe what they wanted maybe they wanted a bit of steel a bit of needle and bring the game down to their level and I think they did that well so look it's still going to be massively challenging for West Brom no matter who performs to them because that squad just isn't up to scratch It was a brilliant point for West Brom and Big Sam no doubt but the last game I want to talk about a bit is Wolves against Spurs Now he's talking about this yesterday with his this this Mourinho terrorism, it needs to stop. It's four games without a win and went 1-0 up inside, I think, two minutes yesterday, just after a minute gone on the clock. And then they basically just sat back against a Wolves team that are really not that good. Wolves have completely changed their playing style this year and I'm not really convinced by that. But in fairness, they, they did play well yesterday. But Spurs, they were just sitting back off walls too much showing them way too much respect like like you're supposed to be a team that's supposedly going to contend for a title you've got two of the best players in the league Harry Kane and Chong Min Son and you're showing absolutely no ambition it's just it's really disappointing because they could play great football and they were playing great football at the start of the season when teams were offering them space but now you know teams have copped on to that bit now Spurs haven't opened up at all they're not playing expansive football and they are four games without a win. Like, what's your thoughts on Spurs' situation? Because the situation has changed very, very quickly. It's changed drastically. The best way to gauge how Spurs are playing at the minute is the 
YouTube man expressions when he said after the first minute he said we closed up like Debenhams or World World Worth fam like <laughs> what you know like they're just dead they're dead after minute one sitting back off Wolves now Wolves have changed their style of play we have to recognise that they can play expansive one touch football you know Podence and Neto interchanging but they haven't looked convincing playing that either. They look like they should go back to the counter-attacking uh, football, but they don't have Real Jimenez, and there's other things with that with problems with Wolves. So it looks all the more impressive that Wolves are able to get a point out of this game, and it just shows the shortcomings of this Mourinho system. And set-pieces, again, set-pieces are killing them. Last minute, Roman Sice, great movement. He started the movement way earlier than anyone else. Comes in, lovely header, Lloris has no chance, but Eric Dyer... Toby out of the world, two dead ballers. Like you think about Liverpool centre backs, these men are going to get exposed. I know they look okay in most games, yeah, but you're not going to come close to a title with the, with that centre back pair. I think that's at the root of their problems. Winksy didn't look great either. He hasn't been getting game time. I don't know, bringing off Son as well before the concede. I know Son did look knackered, but not bringing them off for like for like. They did bring on Bergwijn earlier on, but bringing off Son for a more defensive footballer in the last few minutes. That's just, it's terrorism, as you said. It, this is what I was saying earlier. I, was like, I have no clue who's going to win the league this year. Because like, I, Liverpool obviously mean the best and they're probably the best squad. Um, but even, like Liverpool are only top of the league because of how generally poor the league has been this season. And I think the league has been, a lot of people made a point with the league as an overall being poor last season. It's just as bad this year. Like everyone's dropping points, and the only difference this year is that Liverpool are dropping points as well. When you're looking at that, you probably think Liverpool still probably most likely to win it. But if you look at Villa, if Villa win their two games in hand, I'm not saying Villa are title challengers or not. But Villa, if Villa win their two games in hand on Liverpool, they're a point behind. If United win their game in hand on Liverpool, they're three points, points behind. Two. two points. Like it's it's really close between everyone. I like. Even Spurs there, if Spurs go off and win one or two games in the bounce, they're probably back in the top two or three again because Leicester or someone will drop points or United will start dropping points. It's just it's impossible to call this league table because last week I was like, oh, United look like they'll definitely get top four. Well, not like every top four, but I'm more confident United will get top four and that Chelsea look less likely. They are good at holding on to leads, I think, but the problem is they try to hold on to leads too much. Like against Wolves there, they could have easily gone on and scored another two or three. And that's a far easier lead to hold on to, um, especially against a team against Wolves who can counter-attack when they do. I know they have what they do. I know they have changed our style of play. But there's a lot of very good players in there like uh, Pedro Neto and Pollens. It's just Mourinho's too concerned with getting one nils and two nils. Like you think back to when they played United, they just absolutely annihilated them, slapped them in Old Trafford 6-1. Then after that, he completely changes it to go 1-0 up, sit behind the ball, wait for a break, maybe get a goal like they did against Arsenal. Like they got them on the break twice. Like you need to be putting a, like Wolves to sleep. Like they're not a good team. Liverpool hammered them at Anfield 4-0. That's what Spurs need to be doing. Kane and Son, the, probably the best duo in the league. Like, let's not get twisted. They are unreal. And it's they only need one chance. Like, they need a break with the pitch, like, once. Or, like, they, they just, they're just such an awful team to watch. Like, they have good players, but they're just so boring to watch. I, I don't enjoy watching Spurs games. Like, I only watch them if it's a big, like, the two big teams, like, when they played against Arsenal. Like, that was an awful game to watch against Chelsea. Shocking. Played against Liverpool. They sat behind the ball the whole game. And then they got picked off in the last minute with a Firmino header. 
So Mourinho's getting what he deserves, and that's L's, or not L's, just dropping points. But it's like small L's because all Spurs fans thought they were going to win the league. I wonder I mean, if... Sorry. I wonder if, just briefly, if something like the West Ham game was something to do with that. Because they were training up against West Ham and they kept on attacking and then they end up uh, conceding three goals late on. I don't know if that's where maybe it was that was the slight change. But... And they brought on Bale at that stage rolling as well. They were trying to introduce him as a starter gradually and you know, yeah, that's, he hit the post. They conceded it for, yeah, he hit the post to that. There's a few turning points for Spurs and it's it's hard to know where their next points are coming from. I don't know. It's strange. Like They didn't get a sniff Kane or Son that game and See Kane, no one talking about Kane. Disgraceful dive in the 88 minute, trying to try to win the game. No one oh, talks we, about that. That's sad. didn't touch. I, I'm going very, very briefly back to this in the Arsenal match. That penalty for Lacazette was absolutely not a penalty. Uh, Tierney, was, when Tierney yeah. got in quotes fouled. Oh, I know. I think he got like a tidy clip on the back of his knee, but it was a fucking joke. Reese James wouldn't be made in that challenge. But. Not enough to reduce uh, to overturn us, though, is it? Fabio Silva could have got a penalty there in the game. VR looked at it, didn't. Oh, yeah. It, it clearly. That like, was a stonewall. Took his. Yeah, it was. He, he just did it a bit theatrical, like, but that was it. Like, it was still a penalty. Yeah. Like, Dyer didn't get the ball at all, and he very clearly got Fabio Silva. But I don't want to spend too much time on that. But if you're a Spurs fan or a Jose fanboy, or if you just generally think we're being too harsh in Spurs here, I really don't think we are because Spurs. Had two shots on target. One of them was obviously the goal in the first minute. But then after that, their last shot on target was in the 20th minute. 70 minutes without a shot on target against Wolves, who are not the same Wolves as they were. That's just not good enough. Like, it really isn't. And I don't exaggerate at all. But that is just, that's, there's no ambition there. So, look, Spurs, with the quality they have, they could go on and win their next five games. I'm not sure who they're playing, but they could win their next five games and we could have a different conversation. But I think Mourinho honestly needs to have a bit of a look at himself and say, I'm being too conservative here. I've got a quality side who can put teams to sleep. Right. I have Spurs fixtures up here. So they're playing Fulham, Leeds, Villa, the Blade. So it's, it's a place where they really need to be picking up a rake point spot. It's Jose Ball. He's parked the bus merchant. God only knows what's going to happen. Hopefully he loses every single one, but I'd love to see the Blades beat them. It'd just be justice for football, even though the Blades are scrap and they're going to get relegated. They have two points. Yeah, but seeing the boys get a couple of points off them would be amazing. Okay, so moving on, because honestly, there's not enough time. We spent a fair bit there talking about the games from the weekend and I'd like to talk about one or two more things, but... We're going to do our team of 2020, as voted by you, the Barstoolers listeners. And we're going to weigh in and say who we agree with, who we disagree with. But okay, so. With the first pick in the 2020 Premier League Team of the Year, the Barstoolers listeners select Alison Becker, Liverpool. No disagreements there, I imagine. Uh, Alison Alison got 14 votes across Instagram and Twitter and I think Ederson was the closest but yeah Alison all day long yeah he's just a bit good isn't he I think someone someone put up a I saw it on Twitter there today of Morata's goal against Liverpool in the Champions League last year and the save that Alison made last night against Carlin Grant it was the position and like it's yeah. just night and day he's just 
He's just so commanding between sticks. I think an honourable mention has to go to Ronaldo, who was also voted as the goalkeeper. But uh, I think we have to dismiss that that vote there. Okay, so moving on to the right back position again. Uh, even less competition, I would say, because Alexander Arnold is the right back. He got 19 votes across Instagram and Twitter. Uh, any other complaints there? Can't imagine. Heard there was a bit of a shout for Reese James, but I don't know who. Would, oh, Reese uh, James. <laughs> He's arguably. You said Ronan. Um, well, no, I was just trying to be contrary. I um, think that's like there's you can have though. as many yeah. sort of outside claims as you want, but Trent Alexander Arnold arguably the best right back in world football. He's just amazing. He's had a fantastic year. If only he could get people to stop saving chat. Yeah, that's his only <laughs> problem. He needs to watch his uh, watch himself on Snapchat. <laughs> right, the next position, we're just going to go on to left back because again, there's not too much competition. Andy Robertson is a left back, a third Liverpool player. He got 12 votes across Instagram and Twitter. And again, I don't think there's any Disagreements there. Shall I just move on to the centre-back positions? Okay, yeah, yeah. so the first is, again, another Liverpool player. No arguments here. Virgil van Dijk, he got 15 votes across Twitter and Instagram. Just a reminder that our Twitter and Instagram are in our bio, if you want to follow them. But the other centre-back, there is some debate. According to the Barstoolers Select, it's Harry Maguire who received eight votes across Twitter and Instagram. But as you can see, that's almost half of what van Dijk got. Because does... Other arguments to be made for Harry Maguire not being in it. Prior to lockdown, he was brilliant. Like, absolutely, basically world-class. After that, he's been so-so. He's been no night in Mykonos. <laughs> yeah. the but even, even before the night in Mykonos, like, after the restart last year, he wasn't quite as good. He was no more than a six and a half, probably out of ten post-restart. But who else do you have? I, I nominated Connor Cody in the poll. I'm not sure who else you could have. Ruben Diaz was one that was said, but he's only been in the league about two months. Vestergaard's been really good this season. Yeah, it's hard oh, to oh. break it up because the league is, it's nearly like three leagues because you have the post-lockdown football and normal, full full stadium with fans. And then you have empty stadiums, players with five, like there's five subs a game. So it was completely different kind of football. And then there's like the new season straight off, like a short break. But yeah, it is hard to, like Van Dijk, it's night and day. I know he was injured for the sort of latter end of this year, but he is the best centre-back in the Premier League. There's no doubt about it. I'm not just saying that because I'm a Liverpool fan. He is. He. I feel like Kurt, feel like Kurt could get an audible mention next. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he pops up with a bullet header, but I don't, I think, like, Harry Maguire, he has had a, the odd dodgy game, but he. I think his start of 2020 was so good that it's hard to, knock him out of this spot I personally would have gone for Connor Cody but I don't really have many complaints behind Maguire getting in as well uh, instead of him I just think Connor Cody's very consistent very uh, very rarely puts a foot wrong in fact the mistake he made against Liverpool a few weeks ago was probably the first mistake I've ever seen him make that's led to a goal but like that Harry Maguire's been good as well um, I'd probably give an honourable mention to Soyuncu in fact I probably would have preferred him over Cody maybe not Maguire um, but he's been injured since pretty much the first week of the season, so you can't really you can't really consider someone who's been missing for half of 2020. But yeah, other than that, it's it, it it's not really really a year for centre halves because, like I said, when we were doing the first few weeks of podcasts, like the the amount of goals are being scored, it's, there's nobody really standing out in defence in terms of centre half positions. 
even purely in terms of minutes played, uh, I think Football Observatory did a thing there. Harry Maguire has played more minutes than any other footballer on the planet in 2020. So even just purely just by being there all the time. I know Sky Sports, this is where I got the idea from. Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher did their team in 2020. Carragher wanted Connor Cody. Neville thought it should be Maguire. They settled on Cody. But it's really difficult, this position. Okay, so we'll go into the midfield. And this is maybe where democracy fails us. Because I just put up on the Twitter, are we all agreed that the midfield should be Henderson, De Bruyne and Fernandez? Got 10 votes, 80% agreed with us. So that is the midfield. Maybe you could have Fabinho instead of Henderson, possibly. But no. I, w- would you have anyone different there? Fabinho was in the side as well, though. Like he didn't yeah. play as many. And he's playing centre-back as well. So maybe if he had played the full thing, he maybe could have gotten in. But I think Henderson, he's just a workhorse. He's just an animal. He's just been so good. And Bruno's been the best player in 2020. He just has. He came in from Lisbon. He's just been class. What was it, like 28 goal contributions in 30 games? Something fucking wild. 31 and 28, I think. I don't, I don't yeah, think the, it's just crazy. I don't, like. the, I don't think the Bruins were off that either. The Bruins had a mental season last year. I think he has 20 assists and 13 goals last season. I don't know what the stats for 2020, the year are. But like he's not he's not far off that either. But City um, having a disaster class for, in creativity-wise with him now, like it's just not looking good. But he was just so good last season that you can't take him out. He was so good. He was unbelievable. I can't even stress how good he was last season. Okay, so that's the defence, goalkeeper, and midfield all sorted. But we're going to go into the four positions where it gets very interesting, according to the bar stoolers, faithful. The first player, I don't think there's many complaints. Harry Kane, he got 13 votes across Instagram and Twitter. I don't think there's any complaints there. He's certainly in my front three. Then the next one is, I would have Hyung Min Sun in my front three as well. He got 13 votes also across Twitter and Instagram. You could maybe make a case for Sadio Mane, but I think he only got nine votes, so he misses out. But a very dubious selection in the front three. According <laughs> to the Barcelona's listeners, I don't want to accuse Southampton fans of uh, hijacking the vote or anything because he has been very good and he was nominated by myself. But Danny Ings got 16 votes, the second most votes of any player in this team. <laughs> and he gets in ahead of the likes of Amitala, Grealish and Mane. Uh, thoughts on that? Gonna stop you right there. He, he's been great. He's a former Liverpool player, but he can't be in this team. I'm sorry. <laughs> if he's but he is good, mate, democracy. Well, Calvert-Lewin, like, you can't have Calvert-Lewin. And it has to be Mohamed Salah. He's just class. He's a good machine. You see, if, 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 if he doesn't have his two injury periods, sorry, he, he, he's clear. Like, he's, he's clear of Kane if he doesn't have those two injury players. Not in terms of ability, but in terms of output. Like, if he doesn't have those... I think he's on his, like, third or fourth injury spell of 2020. And he's still got 22, 20, 22 goals on that last season in the Premier League. Ings? 23, yeah. I think. 23, yeah. What's that? 23. Yeah, he's got 23 Premier League goals. Wow. Yeah. You know I'm what I mean? So, goals. yeah, if he doesn't have those three injury periods, he's clear. Like, he is getting in the team of the year. Right. I made the statement four or five months ago and I don't think many people agree with me. I don't know if Danny Ng should be in his team, and I was, I've had time to think about it over the course of the podcast now, because we, I, Cuddle said this before we start recording. I thought Danny Ng should have won PFA Player of the Year last year. 
Oh, oh that is I, bold. Oh, <laughs> he scored 23 goals in a Southampton team for which for half the season was looking like they were going to get relegated. And I don't think Southampton have anywhere near as good a season as they had last year or as good a start to this season as they have this year without Danny Ings. I don't know. See, I think Salah's been very good as well, so he should probably be in there. But it's hard to make the argument that Danny Ings shouldn't be in there because he scored a lot of goals for a team that is not on the same level of Liverpool and Spurs in terms of you know how high in the table they've been for the last few years. That was a very hot take for myself with him being PFA Player of the Year last year. But I personally thought he should be, although I don't think anybody agrees with me on that. It's just I, it is just because he did so much for. It's not that he carried the team in a way, but he did. Southampton finished two or three positions lower than they did last year without Danny Ings. I, I think actually Southampton are in a relegation battle last year if they don't have Danny Ings. I'm just going to say there's only one word to describe what you're after saying, Ronan. That is audacious. That is crazy what you're after coming out with. He he was very good, but you can't like De Bruyne was the best player all last season. Like Henderson. Maybe you could make an argument, but no, just KDB was just balling out. Yeah, but I can't. I'm sorry, Southampton fans, but he's he can't make it in this team. He can't. Yeah, I just want to clarify if any Southampton fans are listening, we're massive fans of Danny Ings and he should definitely be in and around there. But I don't think, it, well, maybe rolling by the sounds of you, you do have <laughs> him in your front three, but my personal front three would be Salah, Son, and Kane. Uh, no, I, I, case that's... For Mane and Sexer. No, that's my front three as well, but I don't have I don't actually have an issue with Danny Yings being in there. Okay, again, for any Southampton fans listening, we like Danny Yings. This is not us. Well, he's a very good footballer, but, but yeah. So yeah. to summarize, our team of the year is Allison, Trent Alexander Arnold, Virgil van Dyke, Harry Maguire, Andy Robertson, Jordan Henderson, Bruno Fernandez, Kevin De Bruyne, Danny Yings, Harry Kane, and Chung Min Son. So we'll put that up on the Instagram and Twitter, etc. That is the Barstoolers team of 2020. Going on to the predictions, we've got a bumper predicting segment this week as there is midweek games that were just predicted in time because Leicester are kicking off in 20 minutes. And we've got the weekend games. So we're going to do eight games altogether. And looking back at the weekend just gone by, absolute shocking week from the men here of predicting. I got zero <laughs> points. James, you got zero points. Ronan, you got one point. And Mixer in Arsenal. You got United and Leicester correct. So you got three points. So if we're looking at the table, Ronan, you're bottom on 39. Mixer, okay. you're on 41. I'm on 42. James is on 45. So oh, I'm coming points. for you. I'm coming for you. I'm telling you. Big three points. Only six points separating all of us. So it's pretty tight. Pretty tight. All right. Again, just a reminder. The winner of Predictions League will win a jersey courtesy of the others. But the first game, it is a good game. It's Everton at home to Man City. I don't see an awful lot of goals in this game because City are defensively very solid at the minute. Going forwards, they're a bit questionable. Everton, they don't look quite the same as they were. They were pretty bad against United. I know that's only the League Cup, but, you know, and then they won 1-0 against Sheffield United. It hasn't been great for them, so I'm going to go for a narrow 1-0 City win. You can call this Desmond because I'm going for a 2-2. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, both teams are good, but they're both not good. I don't know. 2-2. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to go 
similar logic to Roden here, but I'm going to go for a 1-0 Everton, and it goes against every bit of logic that I have in my bones. But, you know, some say I'm doing it to be different, you know, but Sigurdsson, the controller, the destroyer, the enforcer, he's he's, every, he's everything you want and more. He's not really he's shite, fat. but uh, he's, he's, he's going to come up good. with a big goal, you know. So, so uh, Everton are somehow second in the league. That's gone very under the radar after a great start and a somewhat shitty period. Still second, but they're losing this one. Pep, he's a good manager. He's got some good players. He's given the 2-1 win to the City of Manchester. The next game is a, is an interesting one. Definitely one to keep an eye on. It's Brighton at home to Arsenal. Uh, I'd love to say that Brighton are going to beat Arsenal, but I, I just can't see it. Just the lack of individual quality from from Brighton. Like they couldn't even hold on to the two leads against West Ham there. They bottled it twice. Thomas um, Sulcek ended up getting the equaliser. So we're going to say 2-1 Arsenal. I think they're going to be carrying it. Certainly more confidence than the war going into this game. And uh, I think they'll have just enough to beat Brighton 2-1. I'm going for a one-all draw. I'm not going to, I don't even have to overanalyze this. The night of the team are very good. Yeah, I'm going to go for a 4 0 emphatic Arsenal win. I think it's going to be quite the false flag. I think they're going to get that extra bit of bounce of confidence from this game. But ultimately, going forward, it's not going to be an indictment of their season. They're still going to have these patchy results here and there. But I think Brighton, are, uh, Brighton just look miserable. I did watch them against West Ham, and there was a lot of, lot of things to, not positives to take from that, but the burn playing for them he is shocking the fans hate him uh the, the, where are these where are they pulling these massive men from they've he's missing half men. a finger or a full finger really so like, yeah great. <laughs> they've got huge men and they're still shite defending set pieces so that's graham potter disaster class and david moyes gave them had a horrible lineup out so yeah i'm gonna go for four now arteta win here I have like a, a dream that I like, but I'm going to go with an Arsenal win. The dream is uh, a Welbeck, a.k.a. Welly, Welly, bullet header 98 minutes, six Arsenal to the ground, but I don't think that's going to happen. I'm going to just go with a comfortable 3-1 Arsenal dub. Next game, absolutely miserable fixture. Abs- was was delighted I was able to pick this one. Sounds like a terrible, terrible game. Burnley at home to Sheffield United. Again, we've we kept saying it. We were running out of ways of saying it. Blades are, are miserable at the moment. So I'm just going to go with a, a 1-0 Burnley win. Just, you know, they're in sort of in different form, Burnley. They're always going to be ticking along. They tend to find a goal out of somewhere. So I'm going to go with a 1-0 Burnley win at Turf Moor. I'm going to go for a 3-1 Burnley win. Ashley Barnes seems to be playing good now, I think. Well, definitely better. There's no real very good finishers. Like both Ashley Barnes and Wood are very similar, I think. They're just kind of men you stick the ball into the box for and they head it. Um, but I just feel because Sheffield have been so poor this season, Burnley need a result and Sean Dyche is very good at getting results. He's proven this time and time again in the Premier League, so 3 1. Uh, going to go similar to Ronan. I'm going to go 2-0 Burnley, keep the clean sheet, keep it tight. Uh, there was a lot of good things at Leeds and there was some very poor officiating that went against uh, Sean Dyke. So he's going to have a bean in his bonnet and he's going to want to get that fraud Chris Wilder out. Like Chris Wilder's going to be for the chop soon uh, and Blades can't be saved. They're, they're gone. They're down. Just, just a fact. Yeah, this is a very miserable fixture. The Battle of the Brexiteers. So... Uh... I'm going to just go for a very poor 1-0 Burnley win. Yeah, it's it's crazy how 
fast things have changed. You know, Blades last season, we would have been all over them in this fixture. But, you know, alas, here we are. The next one, a lot more exciting. United at home to Wolves. I'm quite high on United at the moment or at least reasonably confident like against Leicester it wasn't like we drew 2-2 and played poorly like we you know we asserted our, our well not quite our dominance but we asserted you know how we wanted to play against Leicester and we're probably unlucky to win and I think we'll have just enough against a Wolves team that doesn't look quite the same uh, it would be 2-1 I was going to say 2 or 3-0 but Generally speaking, you, you don't beat Wolves 2 or 3-0. They, they're always in the game, at least, or, or most of the time they are. So a narrow United win, 2-1. This depends on how United approach the game. I think if United attack Wolves, they're going to get two or three. It was like Liverpool didn't sit back against Wolves. and The only reason Wolves got a result the weekend is because it was, you said, Mourinho terrorist tactics. It, yeah, it, it does depend. I feel like at home, United are probably... Is it at home? At home, yeah. Yeah, yeah, then United probably more likely to go out and attack Wolves. So I'm going to go for 2 0. Could be 3 0, but I'm going to say 2. I'm going to go for a 2 1 United. I think that uh, I would go for a more, uh, you know, thorough United win, but they're going to have rotation. You know, Rashford nearly pulled up with a shoulder injury again. You could see Greenwood in the side, and he hasn't looked the absolute business at the moment. And I think Bruno deserves a rest somewhere in this festive period. So uh, 2 1 United win, narrow win. Ollie's at the whale, 3-0 United. And then the last game of the midweek games, we're going to go Chelsea-Villa. I'm looking forward to this one as well because they're two good attacking teams with questionable defences at times. Uh, even though Villa, I think I've kept a couple of clean sheets, but they can certainly be got at. I'm going to go with 2-1 Chelsea. It's going to go a bit more high scoring, but I think Chelsea would just have enough against Villa. Wouldn't surprise me if Villa rocked up and won 2-0 or something, but uh, I think the quality... Will be too much, certainly at uh, Stamford Bridge. Two on Chelsea. I think at the minute, the both are evenly matched, like you said. And Emmy Martinez having a brilliant season. Uh, if Werner's on his regular form where he just can't finish, he's definitely not going to be scoring a goal against Emmy Martinez. I say that he'll probably go off and score a hat trick now. But I'm going to go for another two all draw. Um, I'm not going to make the same joke this time, though. Although I believe similarly, you know, Frank. It's a protege of Mourinho, so he's going to be a managerial terrorist. Uh, I think Chelsea win this 2-0. Uh, they're going to drop Werner again. They're quite evenly matched at the moment. I think Mohamed El Golzi could come up with a big goal this game. <laughs> you know you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> could be big, right? So the villains could get a win here, um, but I'm going to go for a 2-0 Chelsea win. Um, Kurt Zuma, corner. Uh, nice for the fantasy. Just keep me ticking over, you know? Uh, so... <laughs> What's that? I smell goals in this one. Six goals. Uh, four goals for the mighty Chelsea. Two goals for Villa. Olivier Watkins on the double. Uh, Tammy Abraham's going to get a goal with the Tims on. I'm telling you. Olivier Giroud off the bench. Bullet header. It's coming. 4 2 Chelsea. I like your optimism ahead of this game. Very nice. I, I would like that. Well, maybe not a 4 2 Chelsea win, but it would make for a good view in anyway. But then going on to the weekend. There's a couple of very good games and then the rest are just kind of are terrible. So we're just going to go with three games again just to keep this podcast short and sweet. Chelsea City, fantastic game. Just two sides, just full of talent. Uh, I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw at Stamford Bridge. Um, I'm just not confident in the City at the moment. But uh, I think they will. They can definitely get at that Chelsea defence. But equally so, even though City have been good recently, Chelsea have a lot of... Very good attacking players. So high scoring draw, 2 2. 
I'm going to go for a. I was going to say one nil Chelsea, but I can't seem to keep the clean sheet against. I'm going to go for two one City. I think Chelsea's defensive problems are still there. I think they got the weekend. They got caught out quite a bit by Arsenal, and Arsenal aren't that good. And City, I know City's striker problems are They've pretty back. bad at the moment. They who? They've a barrel back. No, but do they? Yeah. There's still lots going gold at the minute. That's just, that's just one thing with City. City normally score goals and normally sort of fans to cause them problems, but it's kind of been the other way around at the minute. I just go for 2 1 because Chelsea's defense is still not filling me with any confidence when I watch them. Right. Well, I'm going to go for a 1 1. And I mean, I'm thinking back to last season or sorry, the restart when uh, Fernandinho basically confirmed Liverpool as champions. And you've got that meme of him standing hands on the hips. And that's going to be similar again. It's going to be a bit of a frustrating day for both teams, but I think Frank's going to be much the happier coming away with a draw, you know, after losing to Arsenal. So, yeah, 1 1. I think after a 4 2 win against Villa, they're going to be brought back to the planet and Pep's going to smash him about the place. 5 0 City. Pep needs a big dirty win against one of the top sides and he's going to smash him about. 5 0, that is. Ludicrous. They've beaten them more. They what was they beat them like six nil before the Carabao Cup final a couple of years ago. Absolutely yeah. dismantled them. And Maguire's back, hat trick. Right, so then the next game, another brilliant one. Southampton at home to Liverpool. And I don't know if I've ever predicted Liverpool to lose on this podcast. Possibly did against City, but I'm gonna go for it here. I think Southampton are gonna get at Liverpool, cause them some problems, you know, Che Adams, Danny Ings, Theo Walker and the boys, they could they're abrasive. They could cause that Liverpool defence or much diminished Liverpool defence some problems. Going to go with a 2-1 win to the Saints. I'm also going for Southampton win. I'm going for a tr- This is very bold. A 3 Southampton win. Ooh. Yeah, like you said, they're, they're good going forward. Liverpool struggle against... Well, I don't I don't really know. Southampton are just kind of good and I don't really have much confidence in Liverpool's defence at the minute. And especially just the kind of form Liverpool are on. We're not on good form. I know we beat... Pistol Palace seven 0 but we're still not winning games regularly because I think before, I think for the Fulham game was the game before Palace and then after that we drew to West Brom so it could end up being a Liverpool six 0 or something we go out and Klopp wants reaction from the players but I'm going for a train at Southampton. This depends on a lot of things like you know I could see a world where Matip's fit or you know the severity of his injury. I'm going to say three two. I think we 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 definitely do win this. We take home the three points. Uh, we just have too much at the minute. Salah was quiet the other day. You know, he's going to have a game where he sets the world alight. So, yeah, yeah, 3-2 win. I'm going to have to agree with the, the result with James. 3-2 Liverpool. Just think Ronan's been far too negative. Because If you had seen the group chat when we were playing West Brom, it'd make you miserable. Before the game you know, had even kicked off. How long have you know me? Oh. I've never been positive about this football. Yeah, Ronan is quite personal. Uh, quite uh, probably the most negative person we've ever met. He just hates football, but he loves football, if you get what I mean. He just hates Liverpool. So, yeah, 3 2 Liverpool dub, but hopefully Ronan's predictions doesn't come true. Oh, well, hopefully not, but just have a feeling. I'd, I'd rather be honest and try promote a Liverpool agenda on this podcast. Yeah, it's propaganda. At this You're trying to take them down from the inside, Ronan. I think after after Ings getting put in our team of the year, Salah's gonna he's gonna listen to this and be like, you know what? I'm gonna teach these fucking boys a lesson. I'm gonna I'll slap the Saints by the gal. And the last game of the podcast we're gonna be predicting is United at home to Villa. And I think Villa are gonna rock up, you know, depending on the result against Chelsea. It could go either way, but 
either way, I think they're going to rock up to Old Trafford, kind of fancying maybe getting a result, getting a draw even, uh, or possibly even a win. And I think United will probably pick them off. Uh, it's not too too often, um, you know, sort of this positive about United, but I think we're looking good at the moment. So I'm going to predict another win. That's two wins on this podcast I'm predicting for United. I'm going to say 3-1. I don't really know about this one. I'm going to go for my weekly malodacious one. I get it 5-2 United. This is where Bruno comes back and it's going to be messy. It's uh, going to be <laughs> disgusting. Uh, I'm going to say 5-2 United. Similar in the leads, just both teams going at it. No one knows what is happening. I tried to copy me, James. Yeah, T is copying each other with the sort of obscure scorelines, but I will also give United the win here, but a slightly less 4-1 United win. Phil, have they been surprisingly very good they've been very good to watch this season United have been alright to watch but they're getting the results and I don't see this going any other way than a United win well I'd certainly take that Uh, so next week we're going to be back after two rounds again so there'll be plenty to talk about next week thanks very much for listening to this do you disagree with our team of the year if so please do leave a comment get in touch with us on Twitter or Instagram again socials are in the bio and Happy New Year. This is our final podcast of the year, and it's been a very enjoyable first three or four months of the podcast, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Never would have thought, like, if you said start 2020, the boys would be doing a podcast, but here we are. You were right in the swing of things at this stage. It's great. Um, there's just no, no mention of Newcastle again today. I, told, I said <laughs> last week, there's an agenda. We do, we do not care about that football club. <laughs> 2021, yeah. our New Year's resolution is to talk about Newcastle more. Liverpool are playing them this week. Uh, we're not going to talk about that match as a point of principle. <laughs> so if you leave any likes and comments, subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you're listening on. Hugely appreciated. It helps us out unbelievably. You wouldn't even believe how much it helps us out. And again, Happy New Year. We'll be back next week. Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.